listening to the Past the Forecast podcast from Wayne 15. Hey there, I'm Adam Salarzik. And I'm Joe Struess. And we're meteorologists at Wayne 15 in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And this is week 29 of the Past the Forecast podcast, the guest series continues today <laughs> when they decided to call it Fort Wayne Indiana they had one name in mind Chris Darby Mr. Fort Wayne himself is in the podcast today it's only fitting that you're here as we wrap up summer we make the transition to fall the man who knows everything the insides and outs basically the Fort Wayne encyclopedia I What's feel up, like Chris? that may be my high note, and I should probably walk out right now. I think so, Quite too. the introduction. Quite the intro. Everyone's getting good intros here. You're the king of intros there, Joe. <laughs> I, I don't think I could do anything like the, that. It's the energy. It's the energy. I lo- I'm energy. loving it, though. I'm ready to go. This is uh, 29. Man, time has flown by. It, it has really flown by this summer. I remember, what was it? Probably we started this in February? Middle of February. Oh, middle of February. And then, obviously, everything that's happened... We're like, oh, no, well, there's not things for us to go out and do to talk about on the podcast. And here we are 29 weeks later. Whew. It's been consistent. I don't think we've missed a week. We may There might have been nope. one in there. Uh, we have not missed a week. Have not missed a week. We have not. I think we almost did. <laughs> almost did, but had a, a last-minute idea to save it. Yes. And the good thing is, Chris, you don't know this. The viewers don't know this. The listeners. We have actually put some things together on free time to where if we were to miss a week, we actually have a way to still get some content out. So, In case of emergency break glass. Smart, yes. <laughs> we have probably two episodes in the bank, but you'll never know when. Actually, you probably will because we say what episode number it is all now, the time. <laughs> yeah, if you go perfect attendance here, are you going to be able to break this out as some sort of bonus content special features down hmm. the road? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. That's There's a good a, idea. a lot of things we'd like to do here. But bringing guests on <laughs> is number one. It's number one. And uh, in person, Chris Darby. So before we get into tracking the topics, Sierra was a little, maybe a little bit of an easier sell, as were Nicholas and Greg, because I work with Sierra on a weekly basis. People are more familiar with me and Sierra together. You have not been seen on the Wayne Airwaves as consistently as you used to be. But you're still here, so let's just talk about what you're up to. That's true. So uh, kind of a quick rundown. I guess I'm more of a digital reporter, if you will. Um, I Most of my daily work is done online on Wayne.com, our website, where we put everything that we cover ends up there. Not everything that you see or that we do during a normal day ends up on the, the newscast, but every story is on the website. So we're working on Wayne.com. We're working on our uh, Wayne app. And then you'll see us all over Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all the social media, stuff like that. So basically, I am working sometimes, you could say, behind the scenes, writing things for the website, uh, going out and getting creative with things on the website. But uh, every once in a while, we'll be on the newscast just telling you what I'm working on, um, which is a different pace than being on a newscast on a typical day. Well, yeah, what is the difference? Because it was every day on air, and then as media is evolving... There's more of a need for a digital aspect, and that's uh, we've we've grown into that. We've branched out more into the digital space here at Wayne 15. And talk about that 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 pacing difference between turning content every single day and what you're doing now a little bit more behind the scenes. Something that's been fun, if 
that's the right word maybe for a journalist is every day, every morning we start a day sitting down talking about what we're going to cover that day. That's for everyone in the newsroom. That's for the newscast. That's for the website. And we try to figure out what's happening uh, in our community, what needs to be covered, that kind of thing. With the digital side, you can sit down and say, what can we do that's different? What media can we use? What pictures, what requires more video, more fun things we can do? There's also those projects that take longer that you can't get done in seven or eight hours that we're here during the day. Maybe it's going to take a couple of days. And so working on that digital side, we don't necessarily have that hard and fast timeline of sitting down saying, well, if we can't get this done by the five o'clock news. But, you know, there's always that breaking news things that we see, you see those live reports in the newscast that are sometimes more pressing than what we have on the website. The website, we try to get, you know, things that happen during the day as well so that they don't kind of contradict each other. They actually work pretty well together. It depends on when news is breaking. One spot might be better to share it than the other. And so being able to have that option to work on has been fun and exciting. And in this past year, it's been a, a trial and error process, I think, of what's been fun, what's well received by our audience, and maybe what isn't. So we can figure this out as we go ahead. You can do a little bit more, be a little bit more creative in some spots like that. Absolutely, yeah. And you talk about what's been well received. Since day one, tracking the topics has been a great segment for us. <laughs> so thanks, Chris. We've got a lot more to hear from you. Let's get into our typical headlines. Tracking the topics. We talked about it last week. Laura. Hurricane Laura. It was making landfall that night. It continued to strengthen. What was it, 145 when it made landfall? Wind speeds? Uh, category 4? Right around Lake Charles? I think it was Cameron. Uh, that was a. I think the impacts, and we. I think we spe- speculated on this. Impacts were not as great as they could have been had it been 50 miles east, 50 miles west. The area that it hit, while it devastated this area, we we're talking about 20 foot storm surge. It was in an area of swampland. There's that is already inundated with water. Raising that up a little bit isn't going to have a big impact on property and life. Unfortunately, it did have some impacts uh, after, the, after the fact that became more clear. But seeing some of the images there, uh, the videos, uh, I remember seeing the... I was watching it live uh, on one of the streams. I don't know how tall the skyscraper was, but all the windows were blown out of this building. You could see all the insides being ripped out and insulation and all that it was quite the powerful limit and you see the the palm trees bending and swaying in the wind it was uh everything you expect to see from a category four hurricane uh making landfall uh in in louisiana impacts were great um very great very very impactful the thing that really struck me about the lead-up, the landfall, and then the aftermath is how quickly we now turn the page. The news cycle is so fast. The news cycle is so fast. And it's something to where walking in here today, I was even thinking, okay, trying to remember the events as they played out because... It's just like X, Y, Z has happened since then. It doesn't feel like it was a week ago. It feels like it was two weeks ago, three weeks ago, even a month. <laughs> and this hurricane was stronger 
than one hurricane from 15 years ago that everybody knows instantly. Yet, it's moved along. Now, obviously, with Katrina, there was... Uh, the levees were an issue, and the storm surge became a greater issue. It's and a it much was more populated area. Absolute devastation. It should not be overlooked and or compared to, as I spoke to you about, Chris. Um, however, it's just amazing to me that we have a stronger, in terms of scientific data, hurricane. And, uh, you know, we've kind of turned the page. I got to keep thinking about the people down there. It, there's people down there. The Red Cross went down there. You did a story on that about their right. efforts. Any? What was the most recent update that you heard about how, how they're helping? Yeah, so we talked to Edward Glossett, resident of Van Wert, Ohio, a member of the Northeast Indiana chapter of the Red Cross, went down two days after landfall, was able to get a flight to Baton Rouge where he was stationed. Evacuees from the Lake Charles area traveled east to Baton Rouge, and that's where he was assisting those evacuees in those shelters. And he told me, he said to us, look, these people here are going to be here for a while. It's not like they could just pick up and go back home. We saw meteorologist Ben Terry down in Lake Charles, who's in one of our, our groups online. You saw the before and after of his house. He's not even there, and he's getting pictures of his house. Imagine that. Did you see the pictures of the television studio? The tower? I, Chris, I showed you those. What were your <laughs> thoughts when you saw that? Uh, well, I'll tell you this. I spent a lot of time leading up to uh, landfall watching the local news coverage. Um, I know a lot of people will tune into the Weather Channel and watch the Weather Channel for any hurricane coverage. I highly recommend spending, spending some time watching live streams or broadcasts of cities that are about to actually be affected with those local journalists. Uh, they cover the things that are important to them and, and what may change for their communities after a storm rolls through. So I actually had been watching some of that coverage at that station, had been providing the days leading up to it, and they are worrying about everyone else, talking about what could happen to that area, and then to see the aftermath of the tower going in there. This is not people I know personally, but when you watch a station like that, you start to be familiar with those people, and now you feel a greater impact when you see that picture, that tower through the top of that building. It's something. Right, it's right in their studio. That's where they would have been sitting yeah, doing their coverage, and they did evacuate before the storm moved in. They they went to the, one of their sister stations, uh, probably about an hour and a half away, to broadcast back in uh, to keep their viewers up to date as long as they could. Because obviously, power outages become a massive concern, and that's where you got to have your weather radio ready to go if you're in the path of that. And we're sitting here at Wayne 15, celebrating a new antenna going on top of our 700 foot tower. That's a great accomplishment. That's a very big feat that we've just accomplished here. But you can't help but think, wow, we're sitting here putting antenna on, celebrating it. There's a station there that's got to start from the ground up with a new tower. It's easy to forget, as I was saying, how fast we're moving along. It's easy to forget. they got to start over. And just to hit one more point, talk about that forecast. The National Hurricane Center had Incredible. that pinpointed within probably 25 miles several days out and the, the words that were coming out to describe it at a time were pretty unsurvivable uh, yeah. yeah unsurvivable storm surge uh yeah that was i was in here sunday when the the european guidance kind of took the tracks to the west and the hurricane center didn't budge and all of a sudden two three days later everything was back towards the lake charles area and the hurricane center was still on that same track the cone of uncertainty obviously is going to shift a little bit but the official forecast track 
come on, somewhere between Baton Rouge and Houston was, which is basically Lake Charles. It was in the middle. It's the biggest city in the middle. That's where they've had a pinpoint on for days, five days. That's where it made landfall. And as it started to intensify, like Chris said, the language that they used, and it, it might not have been, as you said, impactful as the end result as Katrina was, but your goal is to have it not be as impactful. Exactly. How you do don't you, want to sit there and second guess. How do you get it out there enough to where you save life and property? Exactly. That's the secret. And this one, if you watch the, the track of where it went and what the instructions or guidance were for people evacuating the area, what was unusual about this is they were telling people not to drive straight north. When you're thinking about getting away from a hurricane, especially in the Gulf, you're thinking, I'm gotta, I've got to go north. But that went stuck north so long, they were telling people go straight east or west to get out of the way. That was still tropical storm force winds in Arkansas. It was... <laughs> It was quite the system. Yeah, you want to get it inland. That's your idea. Inland as much as possible, as fast as possible. The ideal situation there would have been to go east or west. It was uh, quite the storm and one that will definitely be studied and paid attention to because of just how quickly it intensified towards the end there, getting up to Category 4 strength. Let's move on to something a little bit more local. We are now in meteorological fall. I nail it every time except for that one time. It is a tongue twister that every time I put in the scripts for the anchors to read, they look at me and I'm sure they roll their eyes. Not even going to give it a shot. But it is officially the fall stat keeping season. September 1st marked that. We can look back on what we had for our summer wrap up. We had uh, that runs from June through the end of August. We had 24 days at 90 degrees or warmer. That's the most since 2012, which was a sizzling summer where we had 37 sizzling. days. Sizzling. And then we had there's a, there's a mic hit for Joe. There's a mic hit for Joe. That's two for checking. And then two for boarding. Almost five minute major there for interrupting. Continue. <laughs> uh, what's the next stat I wanted to list off? We had uh, it was tied for the twentieth uh, warmest summer season with the mean temperature averaging the highs and the lows. The lows getting as cool as they did was what helped us not be as high as we could have been because those high temperatures were quite toasty. And our rainfall, we were right around 10 inches. That's two inches of a deficit, which isn't, in the grand scheme of things, that bad. It's the 56th driest summer. But you sit back and you think, we feel like we've barely seen any rainy days. 44% of the rain fell on just three days over those three months. One of those was a record-setting day. I believe it was July 27th at over two inches of rain. And then we had over an inch of rain just this past Saturday. Yeah, well, two rounds of it we had here at the station. Obviously a different number than the airport, but here at the station I said, whoa, over two and a half inches of rain. Jeez. It's a very misleading number to be the 56th driest whenever we have part of the area in a moderate drought. <laughs> Think about June, though. June was rough. So hot and hot, dry. dry, and, you know, you needed – you kept wondering, is it going to break? Is it going to break? And then July, the second half of July, is when it broke a little bit, and it was like, hmm, it's a little different. And then we just strung together five straight days in 90s for the last week of August. <laughs> and I think, Chris, I'm sure you can remember this. Think about some fall days where it gets hot. 
I mean, I remember, I believe it was just last October, the first week was in the 90s. You were pushing 90. And then we turned hard. In October, I mean, there's still times for Halloween, you're trick-or-treating in the snow. So, I mean, it can change drastically in that month. Snow. So, what's your stance on summer? Do you enjoy the heat or are you more of a, uh, like a Joe, where you, you're you counting down the days for snow? For, first off, confession time. Fall is the best. Yes. The best season. Agreed. That's uh, two in this room of three. You're outvoted, Joe. My favorite. <laughs> um, I, I do like uh, summer mainly because of the things that happen during summertime. But I am not a fan of getting in a car when it's 100 plus degrees inside the car and the you know the clothes stick to you and we spend a lot of time working outside uh, at shoots and things and so not the biggest fan of the heat we're not always in the most comfortable clothing when we're doing that either that's right yep (laughs) that's true so uh, always looking forward to the fall yeah the uh the fall stats what we're having on tap our temperatures start off in the low 80s and by the end of november we're in the low 40s and overnight lows in the 20s. And by the end of November, we've already typically seen about two inches of snow. So, Joe, your days are coming sooner rather than later. And I know you're excited to see some some of the white stuff fall from the sky. Got to get through the rough months here. September, <laughs> the, October. The rough months. These are the best months. They're not. They're not. We had, we had 60s in the forecast, and I was so happy. I don't understand your hatred of fall. We talked about it last week. I still don't Allergies. get Allergies. I have them, too. Mine are in spring. Maybe that's another reason why I like I fall. Get, truthfully, it's year-round for me, but they seem to climax in both the spring and the fall. Um, when you golf, I love golf. <laughs> it's act- You know, I don't think we talked about golf last week. I don't remember. I don't think we did. We did. Did we? When you golf in the <laughs> fall... Leaves are everywhere. Even if you hit a good shot, half the time you can't find it. That's why I don't like the fall. We did the same thing in the spring, though. Mm, A little bit, but no. I wish you could (laughs) see just the look on Joe's face as he just cannot fathom why people would enjoy fall. I don't know why anybody likes the fall. I understand people like football. Football is not my favorite sport. I enjoy college football more than I like the NFL. I do consider myself a fan of the Chicago Bears. I do follow along with what's going on. I continuously tell myself that I don't like it. First week of October when the NHL traditionally starts, I am the happiest guy in the world. And, uh, you know, it's it's just I can't. I just can't. You are you are speechless with your hatred for fall. I can't stand this time of the year. You are disgruntled. This makes me feel like just it. I don't have my natural energy when I get up in the morning and try to go to work. I actually get a little upset inside because it's like we got to go through this freaking Halloween and. Well, I'm not a huge Halloween guy. All this, all this, all this shenanigans. Let's just get to Thanksgiving. Now, professionally, are you just dreading the wait till winter because there's more activity, more for you to keep track of in wintertime? Well, we get the second season coming up here, the second severe weather season, that you'll see some sneaky days, especially October into November, where we can get some severe thunderstorms, and some pretty pretty powerful severe thunderstorms can still happen. November uh, 17th, I believe it was, of 2013, yeah. was a high-risk day across Indiana. Um, you can You can still... 
you can still get some powerful activity. What I really like is once we get that first morning at 32 degrees or below, I go nuts. And in fact, last year, um, I believe, I believe it happened. I can't remember exactly, but I was on air for the first sub freezing morning and every weather hit. We've done it, folks. We've done it. 32 degrees, the coldest morning, one of the earliest or whatever it was, one of, you know, whatever it typically happens here. Now it's happening today. I was so ecstatic. I love the cold. I love the winter. I don't like the in-between. It His messes with my allergies. has changed now, too, that he's talking about the cold weather. He's all excited. I'm just th- I can't wait to get back out, <laughs> get the jeans out, get the... Like, I'm not, I'm not someone who likes the shorts during the day. When you get in your car, you got to turn the AC on at 3 o'clock. But then by the time you get to 6, 7 o'clock, you have to have the extra layers, and you even have to put the heat on. I want one or the other. So summer's number two because it is... Summer's great. I acknowledge that. But winter... Whew. It's just awesome. <laughs> it's just awesome. I don't know. I. Whenever we have massive snowstorms, please file your complaints to Joe. Let's say this. So you guys like fall as your number one season? Yes. I feel as though traditionally it's either summer or winter is what you get as people's favorites. And spring always gets overlooked, I feel like. Well, I like fall and maybe spring not equal but in the similar way is the anticipation of the next big change in weather uh, i know you get that a little bit as winter goes and summer goes but the majority of winter you associate with cold the majority of summer you associate with hot right and those transition seasons of spring and fall i think you have that anticipation of like things are changing we're getting ready for the next big season if that makes sense Spring and fall, in terms of meteorologically forecasting, are the challenge, most challenging times. For the models that we rely on, they have a hard time grasping when's the warm-up really going to happen. That's two. Yep. <laughs> and what we're getting into is when's the co- cool-down going to happen. Just this morning, one model was showing 90s for the middle of next week. The other one showing 60s. That's what we got to deal with. Which one do we buy? Which one do we hedge our bets towards? Do we think it's going to be a stretch of 90s for the uh, second week of September? Or do we think we're going to start getting cooler? So that's that's the challenging aspect. It's it, it's fun to try and... We always try and beat the models and, and, and be the best that we can. But whenever there's that much of a spread, it gets a little more frustrating too at the same time. Because sometimes you just want consistency. And for me, thunderstorms are great in the summer months. But in terms of forecasting, I just there's just an extra level of just pure enjoyment that I get for winter. I love snow forecasting. I love five days out, the hype train that's out there on some <laughs> of the models, knowing that it's going to come down usually unless the we're not gonna get into it, but it's you know, there's it's just really fun. It's really fun to forecast snow. I really enjoy it. And it's also challenging, but yeah, it, it's it, it's it's fun to look at those amounts and be like, whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I don't like social media that time of the year because anyone can go online and get the output of the snow and share it 10 days out and say, a big snowstorm's coming and nothing's on the ground 10 days later. But then everybody blames you. They blame me because I'm the one that told you that. Mm -hmm. Nope. Ready to move on to what the hell? I think so. Let's move on. What the hell? 
All right, this is pretty neat. So uh, big fans of radar here. I'm sure you can imagine, you know, Adam and I are looking at our radars all night long in our, in our apartments. Stop. In our apartments, we've on. got, I mean, we've got computer screens up in our apartments making sure we've got radars constantly scanning the skies. My TV is always on radar. Always on radar. I mean, we are, we love, this is a little overblown, but <laughs> no, uh, as meteorologists, we enjoy radar. And there's a lot of very cool things you can get with radar. You may have seen stories here in the past. I did one last year where you can actually see mosquitoes or mayflies or birds, all sorts of things. Well, we saw a really cool occurrence yesterday when the atmospheric conditions were very much set to where the radar beam would bounce off various objects other than rain. Yesterday in South Florida, rain was moving from east to west. You could see that. You could also see some very tiny... Returns. Returns, sure. Pixels on the screen, whatever. Moving from a north to south coordination. Okay. You put those together, obviously the rain, you can see which one's the rain. What's moving from north to south? was actually birds starting to migrate. I think it's very cool that you can see different things on radar. We most commonly here can see the wind turbines into western Ohio in the Pauling area. Mm-hmm. It's amazing what radar technology can pick up. In Texas, I would see bats on a regular basis almost every night coming out from some of the caves that they have down there. It's very similar to birds, and the birds already know that fall is coming. Oh, they and do. winter is coming. <laughs> so does Chris. You know, another thing you see on the radar, in extreme cases, are uh, large amounts of smoke from big fires. Um, I know we've seen that locally a couple times over the past few years. And even just the steel dynamics plant that we have here in town, that had some, that, in, that was uh, industry-induced snow. Yeah, I was going to ask you about snow. that. That is fascinating to me. Yeah. It was, that's, we've talked about it before where it it gives the heat in the winter and where that trail goes of of the steam, the heat, the smoke from the plant helps to facilitate the creation of snow. And one area, it's like lake effect snow, but literally just because of an industrial plant, the conditions have to be just right, but the particulates from the uh, output there from the, the, the plant provides that uh that chance for snow it's very cool radar is very cool and uh, it was cool to see that occurrence last night pop up on twitter uh it's on my twitter if you want to see it it's in gift form uh it's really cool you can see the storms moving one direction these other particulates moving from north to south and those are birds so pretty cool there i want to get to some more stuff with chris here pretty soon so let's fly through hits and misses hits and misses so Tuesday, I have a miss for rain. Yesterday, on Monday night, I thought that I was I put the chance for rain up to forty percent. It took forever to get here. I said it was going to be a slow-moving system on Monday night. It slowed down even further to the point where the rain was running into dry air, and it was being eaten up. That's always fun. And we got way less than I thought we were going to get. I think we probably only got about a quarter of an inch in some spots at most. Huntington might have got a little bit more because they had one of those uh, heavier cells, but that broke up very quickly as it moved closer to Allen County. And by the time it hit Allen County, it was just a few isolated showers that were pretty light. Yeah, and uh, I think when I left here Sunday, we had the, the better chance for today, Wednesday. So it looked like the rain chances from 
a Tuesday into Wednesday were sort of there. They were low. Um, I wouldn't call it a complete miss. If you want to get on yourself because you increased it Monday night, I'll allow it. But it was just something that could have been better. It I didn't turn out the way that it, uh, that that it was looking like, even 24 hours in advance. I get that. Looked like that. it was going to be a more substantial rain. I've been out of the office for a few days, so I don't. Yeah, and that's fine. I'm not 100 percent sure how it played out, but I'll take responsibility for this miss. But how do we hit? We hit our high temperatures. Really, within a few degrees each day. Okay. We were calling for low 80s. We hit low 80s. Very good. I'll take responsibility for that hit. Well, that's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> we did that together over the weekend. No, that was good. That was good. It really seems like hits and misses consistently here. There's been some minor little tweaks, but... Nitpicky. Yes, it has not been... We've been pretty on. Now, we talked about earlier, you said where it's going to get pretty tough here in the fall as we start to see the big shifts in the model data. You'll probably see some misses coming up, but we're going to do our very best. All right, we'll hold the inbox question for now. Let's get to our guest who's sitting here patiently listening to the weather jibber-jabber. He's been chiming in. He's been providing excellent Listen, content. my first love when it comes to news was weather. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a weather guy. Weather, there was just too much. Guy. Just too how about, much. How about meteorologist? Weather guys <laughs> as a kid is what you. How about, you know. about meteorologist? Well, that's the problem. See, there was too, <laughs> much, too much math and science involved to get to that point, and that's when I realized, yeah, maybe news is a better option for me. You okay. do it well. Thank you. You do. And when you do report on weather stuff, you do that very well as well. As well. Very well. Well as well. well. There well. you go. Look at you. Yeah, there you go. So, uh, question for you. We talked a little bit before the podcast. You are Mr. Fort Wayne. What is your most memorable weather event in your time here in the Summit City? Yeah, so uh, before my time, people will probably talk about the, the floods that have happened here. Um, but in my lifetime, I think what's impacted me the most and what I saw impacted the most was the derecho of 2012. That was something that uh, as I was working in a news station, not knowing what was happening outside of our walls, when it happened was an intense situation. We did have people out in the field. I was working in the station uh, and that led to power outages. I know my parents lost power uh, for several days after that. And just to drive around the city to see how much power was out and how many trees were down and, and wires and poles I don't know that I've seen anything that was as widespread damaging to this city as that. I know, of course, there's been there's been big snowfalls and, and we've had tornadoes in the area. I've covered a tornado a year or two ago, whenever that was, a year ago, I think. Um, Salina, now, uh, those tornadoes that came through, that little outbreak that yeah, we had, but Memorial to, Day last year. To see the, the impact of those things directly is one thing, but... As far as living in Fort Wayne and, and being in this city and seeing widespread damage, that duration in 2012 was intense. That's one that people always lock into. And we talked about it a couple of weeks ago when we had our derecho come through here this year. Um, that's that's the one that, I mean, everybody remembers, it seems like. I mean, in terms everybody of compares it to. Compar- that's right. That's the way to put it. Yeah, comparisons. I mean, honestly, I don't think as a community – many knew what that term was before that, if that makes sense. I just think that it came up so quickly and so crazily. People were fascinated to see what this was, that it's obviously something you don't see often. And you think in your experience, derecho after the 2012 occurrence maybe has stuck with people here in Fort Wayne more than maybe some other Midwest cities that have not had one in quite some time. You think that's something that people generally could lock into a little bit easier? Sure. And I think when people hear 
uh, here at Derecho, suddenly they're really alert to it in other places because of what happened here. Hmm. Okay. I know the one thing I always hear about is more recently the tornado outbreak in 2016, August 24th, very popular one. The blizzard of 78, everyone talks about, you don't know a snowstorm. How, how was you... the blizzard of 78, Chris? I'm okay. telling you, I wasn't around, but that's my parents' generation <laughs> and them and all their friends You don't and know a snowstorm until you've lived through the blizzard of 78. That's the one right there. Yeah. That's, yep. And that was a flood of 83. Flood of 83. That's uh, when Reagan came to town. So that's another big Fort Wayne thing. The city that saved itself stemmed from that. What happened in the 90s? We got the 70s, 80s, the 90s you don't hear much about. And today. Oh, sorry. I thought we were doing a radio hit. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then you got the, you got some of the more recent floods and you've got the derecho. So a couple of tornado outbreaks in there. I don't know. Would you say that you enjoy the diversity of Fort Wayne weather? Absolutely. Um, I, I think every season you get a little tired of it at the end, but I think that's the case for everybody. I think. That's ahead. a great, that's a great statement. Um, I, I think that. We are so located so well to have what feels like almost four even seasons. Uh, it's, I, It would bother me not to be around snow living in a warmer place. It would bother me not to be around 90 degrees to be in a colder place. As much as those get annoying after a while, uh, having all four is, is super ideal to me at least. As somebody that moved down to Texas for two years after growing up in Michigan, having all four seasons is a must for wherever I live now. That's a change. Because you never, we, we saw snow the first year I was down, there was snowed on Christmas, which was weird. <laughs> snowed three inches, it was gone by sunrise. Um, but yeah, I was like, I need my four seasons. And like you said, you, perf- you pr- put it perfectly. It's four almost aligned even throughout the year. Yeah, the mid-latitudes are the best, right? Yeah, they um, are. <laughs> no, I, I like that you said that because I feel the same way as a forecaster. As much as I love winter, the first time we start to talk about, okay, temperatures getting up there, maybe we'll be talking some thunderstorm chances in the spring. That's great. But now that we're in the season of, okay, are we going an afternoon thunderstorm chance or not, it does start to get a little bland, and you start to look towards the the changeover. But the truth is, by the time we get to February saying, yeah, you know, there's going to be a chance of maybe some some snow out there. Watch out for a few slick spots on the roadways tonight, tomorrow, maybe a few slick spots out there as well for the commute. You turn into a broken record. In the same way we turn into, hey, a lot of dry areas out there today, but you could have an isolated shower or storm can't rule that out. It's just like, all right, come on, let's get into the, let's change the verbiage a little bit. 90 and sunny. (laughs) <laughs> but it's fr- it is also frustrating, like last winter, when every system had the rain-snow line somewhere over our area. Oh, yeah, that was And bad. you're sitting there flirting with, okay, how much snow are we really going to get? How much is going to be rain? Why can't we ever just get one big snowstorm over northeast Indiana and and you guys over in Ohio? <laughs> don't, don't forget about them. What's All your favorite thing about Fort Wayne? Boy, the size of the city. Um, I think, honestly, this feels like the most average size city, uh, most average when it comes to diversity of uh, ages, races, everything. Um, I like that you can get from one point to the city to another pretty quickly. Um, When I worked overnights, which I did for a couple of years, I mean, I felt like I could get anywhere because there was such limited traffic so quickly. Um, I just, it's a good spot to be comfortable in. 
Um, it feels small town. While this is like a cliche thing to say, it feels small town, but you can go somewhere and not see somebody you know. So uh, I just, it feels like a good home, you know? Like Ball State. Yes, that's how I felt about the Ball State campus. Like Central Michigan. You could almost make yeah. the argument that you are a, you are a resident, not a number. You're a student, not a number. That's why I loved Ball State. Similar, it's a good way to put it about Fort Wayne. It's a similar feeling there. You're not getting lost in the, the, uh, the concrete jungle, if you will. You can really make a difference here if you, you know, give it a shot. Ooh, Chris Inspirational. <laughs> what differences have you made here? Well, I, I don't know. I'm a hu- humble and modest guy. I wouldn't <laughs> tell you I do have done much, but uh, a quick background. I've been doing the news thing for for about 10 years. Uh, I just crossed five at Wayne in August. I worked at another newsroom before this, doing more behind-the-scenes producing type stuff. But um, to be able to be a part of uh, the Fort Wayne Tin Caps, to be a part of the, the Comets uh, as well, and the Mad Ants running camera for the Coliseum, emceeing for the Comets, to be a part of all that stuff has been super awesome. And I think it's easy to become a part of these things that are in the center of this community. What is your most embarrassing moment on air? Okay, so this is a good story. And, and, and family friendly. Oh, you were ready for it. Yeah, because people ask this quite often, believe it or not. You go and speak to classes, and, and the, I want them to talk to me about the business and what they need to know going to school. But these are the questions I get. So this is a family friendly one. A lot of people get caught saying things on air they don't, you know, wouldn't want to be heard. Um, but I was doing a live shot, a live report for a newscast out of a shopping plaza. And we basically, if you guys are familiar with the newscast, the reporter has a introduction and then we have a story that's on tape. That's usually a minute and a half or two minutes. And then you come back out to the reporter to wrap things up. I remember which one this is, I think. Now. Yeah. <laughs> so I was set up in this, this shopping plaza parking lot and uh, my uh, pho- the photographer stand there in front of me and we're doing our live shot and we wear these earpieces. I'm sure some of you have probably seen them before, but we're basically hearing what's going on the broadcast. And as I'm standing there, uh, tossing it to my story and the story is playing for all the viewers to see, uh, a minivan pulls up behind, just right behind where my uh, photographer was, the door slides open of this van and a couple of dogs jump out like, uh, golden retrievers. And I did the most embarrassing, cute puppy type voice. And in my head, I'm thinking, okay. Can we hear it? The newscast, I suppose. The newscast is still going. I'm around a live microphone and and camera. I should know better. But as a reaction of seeing a dog, that overtakes all of my senses. As it does naturally. That's what happens. It's Uh, only human. So the dogs (laughs) jump out and I did something like, oh, look at the doggies. Something similar to that. And as that was coming out of my mouth, I realized I was hearing nothing in my earpiece, which means that I am on camera and my story has either stopped running or has played itself to the end. And now everyone at home has heard that or seen that. So <laughs> I, I was doubting myself. I was you know, sweating and nervous driving back to the station. And when I walked into the newsroom with the news team that were there, it was made clear that I definitely said that on air. But was it a positive reaction? Or did you get in a little... I didn't get in trouble for it, no, because I didn't say anything um, offensive or uh, that shouldn't be on air. It was, was it, just... Was it happy? Was it laughter? Or was it, it was laughter for okay. everyone but me. I was embarrassed. Okay. All right. Well, as long as you didn't... I mean, I had a... Sim- <laughs> it, it's, it's a good story now, yeah, right? it's great. Yeah. <laughs> I had a similar situation where it wasn't as well received last year on Halloween, so... Okay. <laughs> kind of making fun of myself. Actually, yeah, it was, I was making fun of myself. 
I heard myself <laughs> speaking in a promo in my ear, and we were number one for departure on the newscast. So I was first up, no headlines or nothing, just bang to me. And uh, I hear myself saying Sierra Tufts is in the promo. She says something like, First News Weekend delivers, and the promo is local coverage you can count on. Well, it aired all the time. So I heard myself, local coverage you can count on. I just making fun of myself. <laughs> we're on a two-second delay in the field, so I heard local ho- coverage you can count on coming on. So I said, <laughs> local coverage you can count on, and I'm up because I'm on a two-second delay in what I'm hearing. <laughs> so the producer says go right at the end of that, but I was already on air, so you see me come on air out of black. Coverage you can count on. Tonight, first on five, I'm here in New Haven for a Halloween. I mean, I was so locked into what I wanted to do. I was so locked in, and that's how you probably felt too. Yeah. You get so used to it, and and you count on things going as planned. I guess I, you know, you say that about making fun of yourself. I don't know if people at home realize how often people on air um, here and other places, but I think we make fun of ourselves so often. We see a commercial with ourselves on it, and it's almost cringeworthy for us to see over and over again, or to hear over and over again. And I think a lot of times the stuff that could potentially accidentally slip out on air is us making fun of ourselves or how we said something. A face maybe, you know, if the story should be on video, we might be making a face at ourselves with how we said something. And uh, I think that's the stuff that has potential to slip out even more than in other things. Nothing like seeing yourself pop up in the middle of a CBS golf (laughs) tournament and going, oh, get that off of there. It's weird. You feel that way, Adam? You've gotten used to it. I'm, I'm like you said. You just kind of get used and comfortable to it. Like I make fun of myself constantly. Whenever I'm, ju- as, as soon as I get off air, I'll be like, "That was stupid." <laughs> probably, yep. You probably <laughs> think it, it while you're on air. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> definitely think that on air too. But <laughs> I'll say it once I get off air. As a news reporter, sometimes you go, you start going down a tangent when you don't have a script, and you in your head are thinking, "Oh gosh, how do I get out of this now?" Once yes. you start talking, and then you have to figure out how to wrap it up. When you don't have the prompter. Who knows what's coming out That's of the mouth. That's right. Yeah, you guys day, know that well. The other day, I'm on air um, doing the weather forecast, giving a full weather forecast at the wall. And Sierra Tufts, again, at the desk, sits across the studio from me. Her mic's not working or she can't, because I'm talking, she can't communicate with the control room but needed to. So out of the corner of my eye, I see hands raising and hands moving because she's <laughs> signaling into the camera that wasn't being used that they could see in the back what she wanted them to do they were floating a story and just kind of figuring out how to position so like three times i see her putting her hands up and like smiling i literally move the weather and i say yeah current temperature 83 degrees and sierra's doing something funny over there i don't know what it is i, I don't know <laughs> she's having a party over there anyways your, your forecast we get to the end and she explained it but we got to commercial break and just looked at each other and we're like that we're just terrible sometimes acknowledging it Helps you not laugh at it. I was about to lose it. I was about, about to lose, lose it. it. You need to. You need to explain why you're about to lose it. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? And Otherwise, people you, think you're crazy. And you guys know on those morning shows, especially either being up overnight or getting up that early in the That's morning. Three. The hat trick. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, those morning shows can really throw off the uh, equilibrium when you're trying to not get a case of the giggles. You know. Oh, Adam knows all about that. <laughs> oh yeah. There was one time I was working doubles on the weekends for like a month and a half straight. Once we got about three weeks in, I was hysterical on Sunday mornings. Every It was hard to make it through a show without crying, laughing on the air. It's not good. <laughs> I haven't had one of those moments. I don't know why. 
you're still relatively new. I used to. I did a morning show in Texas for two straight years, and I never cracked. My co-anchor would try and get me to break. Like she would like mess. Her, she'd like throw things at my feet while I was doing the weather one day, just to try and get me to laugh. I'm like, nope, not gonna happen. I completely ignored it, stone faced. For some reason, I came here after a year being here. I started to lose it on the air in the mornings, and now the floodgates have opened, and we'll see if, whenever I do fill in for you. <laughs> Whatever happens, happens. Yeah, we don't let you fill in anymore. No. Um, it's actually pretty incredible. You and I have worked up to this point. I mean, it's been, what, 35 weeks or so of the year. We've barely filled ex- in for each other. It's been extremely consistent. Um, but we, just, we enjoy nowhere doing, to go or anything to do. Well, we enjoy doing weather. Well, that's part of it. But we also <laughs> enjoy doing weekend weather, you know. I mean, Chris could fill in for me one day, I guess. I you could fulfill that. that dream. I would love that. That's when the one thing Sierra's been talking about is one day I got to get on the green screen. I said, well, sorry, it's my office. <laughs> I would let her on. I think it, that would actually be pretty intimidating to do that for more than 30 seconds or a minute. Like I just mean, to do it for fun. I thought one day, like if we were working April Fool's Day or something, I should open up the newscast at the desk and then she'll be in the weather center or something. And we did like a, a switcheroo. But of course, April Fool's Day comes one day a year and it's not always on the weekend. So. And as much as I've been around the green screen, your guys' setup that you use for your weather, I still get confused with the what direction you guys are looking and walking and pointing. And so I give you credit for that. Oh, well, thank you. It's not <laughs> as easy as it looks. Oh, well, you know, <laughs> professionals over here. Okay, we'll give you your five bucks later. <laughs> you want to move on to the inbox? It's the past the forecast inbox. Judson has the question that I've been waiting to answer for 29 weeks. <laughs> Why does the Storm Shield quote unquote keep the rain out of Fort Wayne? I will tell you, this is something for 31 years of life in Fort Wayne, Indiana, I have heard more than once. Mm-hmm. Tell me about it. Mm, I got nothing to say. I'm tired of answering it. You've been waiting to answer this for 29 weeks. You can't say that and then not answer. There is no Storm Shield over the city of Fort Wayne. Should have put a headphone warning before that. <laughs> no, because you got to get it through. There is no magic bubble here. I mean, my first week here. Oh, yeah, yeah, there's no, there, the storms don't come here. They fall apart. Even people we work with here, Adam, <laughs> even people we work with. Hey, this we got a pizza rant all over again. We've got a severe weather threat tonight. We might need you to stay late to a production person and a few other random workers in the building. Ah, oh, that's nothing to worry about. Storms fall apart. They never make it here. While we're on this rant, I'm going to ask you another question that you've answered, I'm sure, hundreds of times. Do the rivers protect us from tornadoes? It's the same concept we had in Muncie. That was the folklore <laughs> down there in Muncie when I went to Ball State, which I'm sure you've heard too, that the White River down there protected Muncie from a possible tornado. Well, there was a tornado in downtown Muncie when I was a junior, so throw that away. And Adam, do the rivers here, the three rivers, which are the greatest three rivers ever, do they have any do they have any <laughs> impact on the weather here? No. <laughs> they don't. <laughs> Everywhere you drive in town, three rivers, three rivers. The ambulance, three rivers, ambulance. That's tra. Well, that is a fact. There are three, three rivers. rivers. I'm t- they're the greatest three rivers. I think the St. Mary's is the greatest because it has Promenade Park. 
as a piece of it, but some people prefer the other rivers. See, I like the three rivers that are in Pittsburgh. I got a big eye roll. It's actually beautiful. Downtown Pittsburgh is awesome. You've been there? Awesome. I have you not, no. I got this thing called the Incline. You go up the side of a mountain. You can look down into the valley where the city is. You see Heinz Field. You see downtown. You see the rivers kind of around the downtown area. you got a, you got a ton of bridges, ton of bridges. It's uh, pretty fantastic. I hear the ballpark there is almost as nice as Parkview Field. I would actually – PNC Park is probably my favorite professional park, but, P, uh, but Parkview is my favorite minor league park for the same reasons. The city backdrop – is phenomenal makes makes the best parks it, it is you can't beat that uh, they are very much on par with one another for the same exact reasons in my book yeah i i don't know I, i'm spoiled i mean i grew up with two ballparks back home that are Wrigley field and whatever you want to call it comiskey u.s cellular field guaranteed rate field whatever you want to call where the Sox play um i, I don't know when i came here I have to say, I think Parkview Field is a greater place to watch a ball game than Wrigley Field. How about that? I think minor league games a are so. a better experience overall anyway. might have to say this for another podcast, but I wholeheartedly disagree. I do not like the minor league atmosphere. Because you're a baseball wow. fan. Because I want to watch the game. I love watching the game. When Cole Roederer from the South Bend Cubs came here last year and hit for the cycle against the Tin Caps, the energy in watching the game. The thing is, I don't know how many people in the stadium knew he was even batting for the cycle. That's fair. That's where I... But maybe one day I'll be a family man, and a minor league baseball game is probably the coolest thing ever because of all the things you guys do in between innings. Chris, you are the man with the camera at Parkview Field. Yeah, from the start. From the start. Uh, and, and we say that. We kn- we're well aware that people go there to be with friends and family and to enjoy a night out and experience a good Fort Wayne evening. A social event. Um, yeah, the one appealing thing for, I mean, there's several appealing things for baseball fans, but what's really appealing for a, a hardcore baseball fan is that prospect of seeing somebody that they're going to see move up the ranks. Um, it's not necessarily because you're um, trying to get that MLB feel uh, of the actual gameplay, but it's the prospect of who's playing. What's it been like seeing Tatis? Oh, he's just tear it up right now, and so in, much in fun. The and to watch, uh, you know, some of his incredible footwork and diving around and jumping around when he was at Parkview Field, that was always fun. Um, a lot of viral stuff with him here. Really proud to see. He, I think, he just put in um, finally the length of time in MLB that he put in as a Fort Wayne Tin Cap. So he's finally at that point. Um, really proud to see he's starting to get some of the the credit that he his effort um, his energy deserves. I think. It's very exciting to see the young stars come yeah. up through a system. It's really cool, and that's why I enjoy going to Tin Caps games. That's why I love going. I mean, when my dad is someone who is a big-time Cubs fan, he comes in, no cell phone, like needing a cell phone, no need for a book. He comes in and goes, you're going to look out for these five guys. Like that's how into the Cubs organization he is. And then to sit there and watch these guys play out, it's really neat. It's really neat. That's why I – but you can also see where the atmosphere of it is a little, that's just the minor league atmosphere. Same thing with the Mad Ants. I mean, you could easily not watch one second of the game and there's so much stuff going on elsewhere. A great family event, a basketball fan, maybe you want to sit a little bit further away from some of the theatrics. 
know what I mean? I think Mad Ants and, and Tin Caps are similar on that level, uh, which is fun for families to go and experience in group outings and things like that. The Comets fans, though, man. Hardcore. These are... Yes, you know, they are. These are the 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 heart and soul of Fort Wayne when it comes to being hardcore sports fans. But I want to say I'm not bashing Matt answered it's No, at not all. at all. No. I've been to both. I enjoy both. I just think they are more family centered events. That's right. Absolutely. Whereas a comments game, sure it's family centered, but you want to go get into a hardcore hockey, you don't realize you're watching minor league hockey there. Right. Absolutely. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. High value product here just, in Fort Wayne. Just like the Wayne Weather team. Leagues. Yes. The Wayne News team. The Wayne Digital team. That's right. All right. Anything else you want to add, Chris? I don't know. This has been such an honor, you know. <laughs> he wants five more bucks. <laughs> uh, That's no, coming out of your wallet this time. <laughs> yeah, just uh, just for me personally, really proud to be able to, to work in news here in Fort Wayne, uh, be able to share the stories of Fort Wayne. And, and we talked about the digital thing at the start of this, so you may not see me on TV as more, but or as much as you used to, but the opportunities that we've been able to do here lately have been pretty awesome. And my favorite thing is to be able to take you, the viewers, the listeners, to places you may not usually get to see, and that's really been kind of cool to do this past year. That's a soundbite right there. There it is. That's our profession, soundbites. That's right. Sots. Delivered that in 30 seconds or less. Well, make sure to leave us a review and rating, and we'll see you next time as we try and be picking number Chris. Any number. I know we sprung this on you. 23. 23% right about the weather this week. Michael Jordan. This has been Past the Forecast Podcast from Wayne 15. <laughs>